Sacred Scripture is both simple and easily accessible, but it's also inexhaustibly deep. What do I mean by that? So, for instance, pretty much everyone can get the gist of what Sacred Scripture is trying to say. It's not that complicated. But it's also something that we can't exhaustively know all the nuances, every single little meaning of every single verse. The day's never going to come when we can shut the Bible and say, that's it, I've mastered it, I'm good, I've figured everything out here. It's inexhaustibly deep. And a perfect example of this is the parable from our gospel, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Right On the surface, the moral meaning of this is really obvious. We're called to love our neighbor as ourself, and who is our neighbor? Pretty much everyone. All right? it, it's not just our friends or our family, but even those we might consider an enemy we're called to love. But we would be wrong if we said, that's it, that's all that this parable is about. It's not just about this moral, that's an important part of it. But the fathers of the church, the, the leaders of the ancient church from the early centuries, they saw this parable as having also something of a metaphor or an allegory for salvation history. What do I mean by salvation history? I mean our history, the history of mankind's fall and redemption. Okay, so how does this work? Well. Not going to go into huge detail. If you read what the fathers say about this, it can get pretty in-depth. I'm just going to give kind of a basic outline. But first, they saw this man going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And they saw Jerusalem as standing for paradise, for the Garden of Eden, if you will. A world that was frankly different, very different, from the world that all of us know. Jericho stands for the world as we know it, a world that's fallen, a world where sin and suffering and death and evil are all too common. The man who's robbed and beaten, well, that's all of us. Uh, you know, I know that's not too flattering, but it is. That's all of us in virtue of original sin, that sin of our first parents that robbed us of, of this relationship with God that we were created for, this affliction with sin, it's like a hereditary disease that we've inherited. Then we see this priest and this Levite come down and they don't help the man. What does this symbolize? Well, the father said it, it symbolizes the old covenant, which was good and could awaken hope of a savior. But ultimately, in and of itself, it couldn't help the situation. It couldn't save fallen man. And then we have this good Samaritan who stands for our Lord. And he has compassion on us. He draws near to us. And what does he do? He takes wine and oil and pours it over the wounds of this man and then bandages his wounds. Father saw this as standing for the sacraments, which heal us of the wounds caused by sin which give us grace, a share in God's own life, divine life within us. And then they nourish and strengthen that divine life within us. And then finally, the Good Samaritan, our Lord, takes this battered individual to an inn 
and entrust the care of that individual to an end. And their father saw the inn as standing for the church. The church of which, as we heard in the second reading, Christ is the head of, and we are his members. That's this allegorical interpretation of the parable. Now you might think, great, that's, that's nice theology, but what's relevant about that? What does that have to say for us today? What's the takeaway? I'd say there's a couple. Number one, we're sick. We're sick and we need a doctor. And not just any doctor, we need the divine physician, Jesus. He is the divine physician, and this really comes out in the parable. And the church, you know, Pope Francis often talks about the church, how it should be a field hospital for the sick. Well, that's a a good way for us to think about it as well, and that dovetails really nicely with this gospel. So we need to come to this field hospital for the sick where we can encounter the divine physician. Now think of like a doctor on a natural level, right? We're supposed to obey doctor's orders. He says, you know, the doctor might say, stop smoking. It's bad for you. You can't do it anymore. He might say, stay away from these foods. They're not good for you. You can't have them anymore. Or maybe this activity, you know, no more contact sports. You've, you've damaged your body enough, so you can't do that anymore. He'll tell us things we can't do or things we need to avoid. And so it is with the divine physician. When he gives us commandments, it's not arbitrary. They aren't arbitrary rules that he's imposing on us, hoops he wants us to jump through. No, they're pitfalls he wants us to avoid, to avoid so we're not reinfected with this disease of sin. And then, again, a natural doctor or a doctor on the natural level will prescribe us medicine. And if it's a chronic condition, the doctor might say, you know, you're going to have to take these two prescriptions for the rest of your life. And so it is. We need to receive the divine medicine of the sacraments, and we need to receive them again and again. Now, some sacraments you can't receive over, right? You know, you're not going to be baptized more than once. You're not going to be confirmed more than once. But the Eucharist and confession, we should come to these sacraments frequently. Why? Because we need the divine physician. We need him to nourish and strengthen that divine life within us in the Eucharist. And if we sin, we need to be healed. We need those wounds of sins to be healed in the sacrament of reconciliation or confession. So that's the first takeaway. We're sick and we need the divine physician. The second thing I would say is, you know, Jesus ends this gospel by saying, go and do likewise. Go and show mercy. And so we need to answer that. We need to follow that. We need to go and do likewise. And so this applies to anyone who's suffering, whether it's from material poverty, You know, our world has all too much of that. Or even if it's spiritual poverty. You know, I'll wrap up with this quote from Mother Teresa. This was a while ago. She was giving an interview to a reporter, and she made some offhand comment about the spiritual poverty of the West. And this surprised the reporter. He, you know, Mother Teresa served in Calcutta. She served the poorest of the poor, extreme poverty. So we asked her, what do you mean by this? And here's what she said. She said, the spiritual poverty of the Western world 
is greater than the physical poverty of our people. You in the West have millions who suffer such terrible loneliness and emptiness. They feel unloved and unwanted. These people are not hungry in the physical sense, but they are in another way. They know they need something more, yet they don't know what. What they are missing is a living relationship with God. And so when Jesus says, go and do likewise, he means go and care for the materially poor. Absolutely. But he also means go and care for the spiritually poor, for those who suffer this loneliness and emptiness, for those who feel unloved and unwanted, for those who don't know that what they're missing is a living relationship with God. So as we continue with Mass, let's pray for the grace to recognize that we're sick and that we need to frequent, frequently seek the care of our divine physician in his sacraments. And let's pray for the grace to go and do likewise, to love our neighbor by trying to alleviate the material and spiritual poverty of this world. <laughs>